Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Uh, but guys, welcome in. It is the Huddle Up Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Blue Wire Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me is my fellow football priest. You know him. You love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, should the Broncos uh, go out and pay money to a tight end? Or as uh, this article that you're covering here that just published, I'll pull it up here. But what are your thoughts on the Broncos going out and spending money on one Kyle Rudolph? Well, I mean, it's it's that time of year where there's a lot of aggregation between media outlets, and one of the Bleacher Report writers uh, recommended the Broncos sign the former Viking and Giant. He didn't stipulate the deals, uh, the terms of the deal, probably a one-year deal, but I feel like if they were going to sign Rudolph or someone of his ilk, they would have signed that player by now. It's very apparent considering the players that George Payton's working out, that he's interviewing with before the draft. He's kind of like we've hinted at leading a trail of breadcrumbs to the positions, offensive tackle, linebacker, and tight end. He even says at the bottom of the article, we will fill this position, we will address it in the draft. So I don't think Kyle Rudolph is going to happen, though I see why a national writer or a national member of the media would think the Broncos are a good fit for her services. I'm all about upside, though. I'm a big believer in Alberto. I think he can be a you know a full-term uh, long-term staple at tight end, and I would like to see someone through the draft compliment him. So I'm going to pass on Kyle Rudolph. It's a good example, Zach. We talk about it on the show all the time of national media not quite having the the right accurate beat on what's going on in Denver because a big reason, it's not the reason, and it's not even probably top two or three reason that the Broncos were comfortable, including Noah Fant, in the trade for Russell Wilson was Albert Okawebunam, who – you know, he's uh, struggled to stay on the field by and large since the Broncos drafted him in the fourth round. Um, and off, I might add and remind everybody, a strong recommendation by Drew Locke. Uh, but he, when he's on the field, Zach, he's been he's been awesome. And even no offense, uh, what's a good word, testimonial on behalf of Albert O that we talked about last week. I mean, that's basically the thinking in Denver right now. Rudolph, you know, if you, it's the type of situation where if you had some really good blocking tight ends, but you were missing that dynamic kind of pass catcher, not to say that Rudolph is all that dynamic anymore at 32, but his forte is catching passes, then it would make a little bit more sense to me. But it's still fun to talk about. Yeah, for sure. And I always thought of Kyle Rudolph for whatever reason as an injury prone, perpetually injured tight end. And I looked up his stats and he's played in, in 12 or more games pretty much in every season except for a couple early in his career. Two-time Pro Bowler, I think he has a little gas left in the tank, but I don't think the Broncos are the one that should be pumping the gas, so to speak. They have a guy in Alberto who they're very high on. That's why they traded Noah Fan in the first place to Seattle as part of the Russell Wilson deal. If they want to add to the position, even Peyton said himself, we are looking, and I'm sure we'll address it in the draft. That's pretty much saying, hey, guys, we're passing on signing a veteran. We're going to fill that need with a young rookie. He signs that deal with the Giants in March of last year. Then in December, they restructure his deal to create some cap space and then cut him uh, March 2nd. So definitely an interesting prospect. Um, we'll see. I mean, the Broncos still have some needs, and tight end is one of them. but to me, Zach, when you start looking at um, lingering holes on this roster, I don't really go first to tight end. I go to, you know, bona fide. I mean, they've got enough. It's kind of like a, it takes a village approach to right tackle. They've got three options there, Billy Turner, Tom Compton, and 
Calvin Anderson. So you probably just let that ride, Zach, and draft someone um, to kind of come in and be that future guy at right tackle. But edge, slot corner, I mean, Kwan, um, he, Williams, he's interesting, but as you've talked about a lot, he's missed time. He's a little bit longer in the tooth than I think a lot of people realize. Safety, I mean, hey, I'm as high on Caden Stern's upside as the next guy, but I'm not convinced he's the ideal box safety that you know you saw from Kareem Jackson when he was really in a in a groove. So there's just other places I could see the Broncos from a urgency perspective going before veteran tight end. How about inside linebacker where yeah. Josie Jewell and Alex Singleton are, are penciled in as starters right now after Baron Browning's converting to OLB even on a temporary basis? I'm with you. It's you want to add to it, and it's as Dylan says in the comments, a smaller need. It's not a glaring need though. I would not take a tight end at 64. I would wait until later the draft and supplement Alberto with a player that can maybe be more of a all-around tight end, not just a blocker, not just a pass catcher, a true hybrid. That would be my plan of attack. Guys, so much more to get to. The Broncos have been, you know, we got some breadcrumbs on the pre-draft trail to try and interpret lots of different visits with some prospects that we're going to go over. We're also excited this week's, Super Chat Superstar segment with Shane Daniels, the aviator himself. We're going to talk to him here in just a moment's time. All right, guys, the time has come. We get to meet once again. This isn't our first time because Shane was at the meet and greet at the stadium on, uh, what was it, back in September. We got a chance to sit down with him. Thank you real quick, Nash. For the uh, early super chat, good evening to you as well. Showing some love before he's got to get back to work. What a prince. But without further ado, Nash, you demand. Really do appreciate that. Um, let's bring on. Hey, are, what, are you guys seeing that? Is it just Can a black square? It's, it looks like a little frozen. Hold on. Let me do that again. Boom. Shane. Can you hear Uh-oh. me? We can hear you. Shane, do this real quick. We'll, we'll keep going for a sec. Do this restart your browser and then come back into the room with that link I gave you. And then as soon as I see you back in the green room, we'll bring you back on. I think you're just frozen a little bit. Yeah, he is frozen. Hopefully he heard that Uh, in the meantime. Yep, he did. He'll be right back. Phil, thank you, buddy, for the stars. We really do appreciate that. Zach, uh, all the mocksters right now, while we're waiting for Shane to come back on here, they are thinking offensive tackle. Todd McShay uh, released his first, two-round mock of the offseason, and wouldn't you know it, how do you pronounce his name? Daniel Fa'ale, Fa'ale, Fa'alele, I think is how it is. Anyway, from Minnesota, the six-foot-eight massive gargantuan tackle. Not the first time a prominent mockster has uh, penciled in a, a tackle for the Broncos at 64. Probably won't be the last. I, you know, he, he's not a perfect prospect, Falale, uh, but I would much prefer the Broncos address right tackle at 64 than tight end or running back, as I see some Broncos prognosticators are projecting. They have other bigger needs on the roster, and one of the biggest, if not the biggest need, is at right tackle. So I'm fine with that if they want to go there. One thing we've learned, though, is that uh, Trevor Penning has no chance, zero 0.0% chance of dropping to 64. He's looking like a first-round pick lock right now. By the way, Lawrence Rivera, appreciate you, big dog. And Mike, thank you, Mike. Hey, stick around, follow on Twitter, connect with us there. We like to keep in touch with those who uh, are supporting the cause. And Tom, it was great to connect with you on Twitter as well, my friend. He says, good evening, guys. Great podcast. Much obliged. He says, I really think corner is a huge need. When Ronald Darby gets hurt, it's not great after him. Definitely running out of uh, nickels and dimes. Uh, definitely running out of nickel and dime, I think is what he's saying. I don't know. I might have put the wrong emphasis there. Tom, we're going to talk more about that, but we're going to do it alongside fellow superstar Shane Daniel. Shane, we've got you on screen now in all of your glory. Bro, how are you? Welcome to I'm the podcast. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. It's It's been it's been nice to uh, watch you guys over the past few years. Dude, We, uh, you reminded me because I was like, this isn't the first time you've been on the pod because, of course, the meet and greet and everything, and you were right there. And, and I said, didn't you come on the gut reaction after the Broncos-Jets game? And he goes, you said, uh, no, that's right when uh, the stadium authority started sweating us and we had to break down and get out of there. So we didn't get a chance to have you on. 
I'm glad we finally get to rectify that, bro. That was so fun hanging out with you because you were there pretty much the whole day with us. And of course you went to the game and everything, but that was just fun. Oh yeah. I had a blast. It was great meeting all the people from the uh, mile high community and then watching the game and talking about it afterwards. Okay. Real quick. I'll, I got a couple questions for you. I know Zach does too. So here's my first one that Zach's going to ask you some stuff. First and foremost, I've yet to personally talk to a Broncos fan that had anything negative to say about the Russell Wilson trade, but tell us what your gut reaction was. <clears throat> pardon me. When you saw that news come across your phone, what was your first thought? Uh, disbelief, um, first and foremost. Uh, but I, I was elated. This is the most excited I've been for a uh, prior to a season since 2011. Um it's it's nice to finally have a franchise quarterback again. Shane, I want to piggyback off a question that we just got from Clayton in the comments. I want to ask you your grade on George Payton that he's done in 2022 so far. Russell Wilson, Randy Gregory, et cetera, et cetera. How would you grade him? And also Clayton wants to know, how would you grade the offense and the defense? What are your answers? Um, right now, uh, I would say the offense is probably a B plus, A minus. Um, small things to work on like tight end. Um, uh, shoring up the offensive line a little bit, but as far as like playmakers, we have them. Uh, defense, I'm a little concerned about uh, the secondary and uh, edge, um, and you know the style of defense they plan on running. Those are the most important pieces of the defense. So I'm saying C plus, maybe B minus. Ooh. Yeah. Hey, if it's if it's uh, your opinion, it's your opinion. So what about? cornerback as that super chat brought up right before we went live are you concerned about that because if we look at it from ten thousand feet you got patrick sertan on one side you got ronald darby on the other now you got kwan williams in your in your slot and on the surface that starting trio looks pretty legit but as he mentions the first sign of the injury bug n jumping up and nipping any of those guys who do you fall back on michael oj mudia mm -hmm. sang bassi i mean I'm, I'm i'm stretching now if there's anyone beyond those guys. So how do you feel about that being uh, a dire need? Uh, yeah, it's something to definitely look at in the uh, draft. I don't think we're going to find anything in free agency that we can afford. Um, but uh, my biggest concern is uh, at safety. We don't, um, outside of Justin Simmons, um, we're, we're a little thin. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't see the depth there. Well, Albert wants to know, and I want to know as well, Shane, what do you think is position priority number one? What position would you target if you were the Broncos GM? Hmm. That's uh, a few. Um, Something on defense for sure. Yeah, defense, up, edge and corner. It's I think edge because Randy Gregory is coming out of surgery. Uh, we know that um, uh We've had depth problems there before, and it's it, there hasn't been a massive upgrade since last uh, last year. And Randy Gregory is a great signing when he's healthy and on the field. It is kind of curious um, when you have Malik Reed, you have Jonathan Cooper. I mean, you don't want to have to start either of those guys, but as your depth guys, like that's a that's a solid depth duo for them and to Brownie. then say we're going to take Baron Brownie. Yeah and move him to outside linebacker when he did show so much promise as an off-ball guy last year, I got to admit, especially in the wake um, of the experiment on, I just brain farted his name, second round pick Florida State, Walker. Thank you. What, uh, Demarcus Walker. Dude, I'm a little bit nervous about moving Baron Browning, and it's not like you have off-ball linebacker locked down tight, right? It'd be one thing if you were coming off, uh, you're looking at your depth chart and you've got, you know, Josie Jewell, who's never been injured, and, you know, Alexander Johnson still projecting as your starters this year. You're like, okay, look, we've got some, uh, we've got a little bit of slack where we can maybe try something because the payoff, if Baron Browning does end up succeeding and thriving at edge, could be enormous. But because it's not really there, I'm like, why are you taking away from a weakness? I mean, and I get it. Edge is still kind of a weakness, but it seems like you have more at edge right now than you do off ball shame. Uh, yeah, I, I can agree with that. Baron Browning has such great lateral movement uh, in the off-ball position. That, that's where I think he would thrive at. Um, his uh, size, I don't think, is is good on the edge. To uh, uh, he does, I don't think he has the strength and the power to really uh, to push these big tackles out of the way in the uh, NFL. Um, he off-ball, he's a lot better. Well, 
I want to just real quick before we get to Z-Dub, I want to pick up on this comment from Andrew Winston. We appreciate your super, Andrew. He says we should absolutely not draft for need BPA. Here's my thing, Shane. Tell me if I'm wrong, okay? What if you go up on 64 and the BPA on your board is Desmond Ritter? Do you still draft him only because he's the BPA, or do you still look to address a spot that you need? That's not quarterback. That would be right tackle, corner, edge, inside linebacker, et cetera. Am I wrong? Uh, no, you're not wrong. Uh, <laughs> I think it should be best player available for a position of need. And so if, exactly. you, if you're coming up on pick 64 and the best player available you have is a tight end, take the tight end. The best player available that you need uh, available is an inside linebacker, take the inside linebacker. It's, um, you know, and then it, I think using the uh, first four picks or so should cover those needs and then use the back end of the draft to uh, help out special teams in depth. Agreed. All right, let's get to some fun stuff. I mean, the, the current mm-hmm. events, that's why, you know, that's what everybody comes for. That's the stake here. Actually, we'll grab Z-Dub, and then we'll get to what I was going to say here. Zachary Smouse in the house. Great to see you, big dog. Thank you for the super chat. It says, good to see you, Shane, and I just want to show some love. Been missing you guys. Just been changing stuff for the good in my personal life. That's good to hear, Zachary. Uh, we'll be in touch. I want some details on that, my friend, but it is great to see you, Zachary. And on the topic of fanhood um and the community shane uh, you can decide if you want to tell people where you live that's up to you but you don't live in denver i'll say that how did you become as such a great you know you exemplify our hashtag state of being how'd you become such a hardcore dedicated passionate knowledgeable bronco fan uh well i was five years old and uh we were at a super bowl party my Dad is a Cowboys fan. My mom's a Broncos fan. They're arguing over uh, who's the better team. And they looked at me and said, who are you rooting for? And me being a mama's boy, I said Broncos. <laughs> and and um, But my whole, my whole mom's side of the family are Broncos fans. And um, I just became passionate about it from that point forward. I would have done the same, Shane, from one mama's boy to another. Uh, tell us your best memory. At, you know where I'm going with this. Best memory as a Broncos fan and – Lowest memory of the Broncos fan? Uh, uh, best memory? Uh, seeing John Elway finally uh, host that uh, hoist that trophy in uh, 98. Um, just because it had been so long uh, for Broncos fans to even celebrate that. Uh, lowest? Uh, the whole McDaniels era. It was, I, it was just terrible week in and week out. So... Uh, yeah, especially after he got fired for cheating, and then we didn't hear the end of it as fans. Mm-hmm. That's the Raiders' problem now. That is. Mm-hmm. That it is. Um, okay, Mount Rushmore for Shane Daniels, the foremost. It can be your favorite Broncos. Doesn't matter who, which four players or figures. It could be owner. It can be GM. Whatever. Who is your four members of the Shane Broncos? Mount Rushmore. Uh, first and foremost, um, John Elway. Um, we got to meet him once. That was awesome. Uh, Peyton Manning, uh, just because of the passion he brought back to Denver when he came. And uh, Steve Atwater is my favorite player outside, uh, uh, outside of uh, John Elway. I, guy is just killer. And um, the the final one, uh, man, it's uh, – between Terrell Davis and probably Lalazado. I know that's not a name. Really? Yeah. Lalazado was a monster. Why Lyle though? Because his impact, I guess, you know, the orange crush and all that, but from like, you know, the dent he made in the orange and blue universe, it seems relatively small though. He was famous and he was, you just had a thing for Lyle. Yeah. It was his style of play. He, he wanted to take people's heads off, even if it was uh, roid rage, but he wanted to take people's heads off. But I I like that aggressive mentality that he had. Awesome, brother. Well, Shane, thank you so much. Zach, did you have something else? And then we'll love. Real quick. It's April 6th. A lot left to go in the off season, preseason, et cetera. What is your record prediction? 17 and 0 doesn't count, Shane. I want a a realistic (laughs) record prediction for the Broncos. What are you thinking? Um, I, I'm honestly thinking somewhere around 12 and five, uh, 11 and six, uh, dep- depending on how, um, it's going to be a, f- a fight in the AFC West. And, uh, I can honestly see everybody going three and three, 
Um, and I just, if we pick up a game or two here and there in the AFC West, I think, you know, 11, 6, 12, and 5 is a reasonable record. Awesome, brother. Awesome. Well, we have loved getting a chance to sit down and talk with you. It was great meeting you back in the fall. We hopefully look forward to seeing you again in the flesh. We got some cool stuff coming this year. It's going to be fun. But, Shane, thank you for everything you mean, everything you do for us and all that you mean to us, and just contributing to the conversation every night, being a part of this living, breathing community, just and also giving us some of your time tonight, contributing to the content. Thank you, brother. We look forward to seeing you very, very soon. All right. Thank you guys for having me. It's, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Shane. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. There he goes, Shane Daniels. And as someone who uh, has three little tiny dogs, I know what it's like to out of the blue have them yapping in the background. What can you do? You charge it to the game, as they say. GLP giving Shane some props, too. Love it, dude. Good to see you, Gary. Appreciate you, big dog. But you know what? Thank you, Gary. Um, Scott says thank you as well. But you know what? One thing I liked about Shane's analysis here tonight, Zach, is, you know, he didn't sugarcoat anything in terms of how he saw things. If he saw it one way, he said it. You know, he's not he's not jumping the shark, kind of punch drunk or whatever over the Russell Wilson acquisition to a point where he's ignoring any of the lingering potential problems that this roster might have. And the good news is you still got the part two of the biggest talent acquisition process of the offseason still to come in the NFL draft. You know, I, I wish we had like an hour to talk to all these guests because I have more questions and more questions. I would have loved to pick Shane's brain, though, specifically on why he gave the Broncos like a C plus B minus. I think it was on defense. That was interesting. That's keeping it real because they look good on paper, but one injury to Darby, as was mentioned, or a Gregory suspension, God forbid. It's a zero Evero's first time as a DC. A lot of different moving parts on defense, and I like his answer because it was, you know, it was objective. Scott, did we grab, did we say thank you to James Webb? I, I, okay, James, thank you, buddy, for the super chat. Saw that. Really do appreciate it. Not long after Tom's there. Rodney throwing down. Appreciate you, big dog. Thank you, buddy. David Wilder in the house throwing down. You are the man, David. Uh, also, Claude, Claude Riley joining us tonight. This is awesome. Guys, I'll give you an update. So the goal here in the month of April to reach 250,000 stars on Facebook when we reach that goal, we're raffling off a Broncos jersey of the winner's choosing. And we're also in the process of doing some brainstorming to come up with other cool things to do as little small thank yous for when we do these contests. But for this month, it's a jersey. Once again, the only people that are going to be in the running for that raffle, of course, are those who contributed to the goal. And right now we are at uh, 6% complete here, six days into the month, so maybe a little bit behind, but it's nothing to get too alarmed about. And if Zach, if we had to do the uh, raffle tomorrow, the fellas and and well, I guess in this case it would be fellas with the most tickets in the hat would be Michael Ronquillo at the very top, Jacob Foster who won it last month, Mark Schrader, Travis Weber, Shane Daniels is up there in the top five, Howie Frickin' Day, Chad Beach, John Clay, awesome, Andrew Baker, and Lawrence Rivera. That's on. Facebook, and then we're doing something similar. Lon, it's good to see you uh, for our YouTube Super Chat Superstars. We'll update that here in just a few minutes. Um, but, Zach, the Broncos have been pretty busy, as you would expect, with this being the final month and the real – and then he comes into Shane and throws down a Super Chat. Thank you, bro. You did great, dog. You threw down. I love it when – you know, I try to explain and with Shane that he didn't need any kind of a pep talk. He was ready to go. But, Zach, sometimes people get a little kind of – I don't know, anxious about coming on or whatever. And it's like, hey, just imagine it's just me, you, Zach. It's just the three of us. We're sitting at the bar, you know, cold one, whatever, talking about the things that we talk about every day, all day long. Anyway, the same things we think and talk about. It's all it is. But Shane didn't need that, dude. He was he was clutch. Shane was calm, cool, and collected, very composed. Any of the C's that you want to mention, Shane was in his little time with us. So we appreciate you, Shane. And we appreciate, like Chad said, all your uh, ongoing contributions. And the throwdown here and props from the Duchess with a very, very Thank you. generous super chat. We love you. We appreciate you. She says, good evening, Chad, Zach, and Scott. And then Shane, she's giving you props. She's giving you one of these. Great job. Thank you, Michaela. You're so awesome. 
Love you. Appreciate you. Um, also, I'm going to be DMing you after the show tonight because I need to find out there's some options on the, the little care package coming your way from the drawings last month. I need to know. I'll be asking you what uh, what your preference is because I know you've purchased and gotten some things in the past from the merch store, so I'll be in touch. Uh, Edward, good to see you, bro. Are You're next up, right? I don't have my phone right here handy, but you're you're next up, if I'm not mistaken. Next week on the show, it's going to be awesome. He says, what's up, everyone? I am so ready for the draft. I'm excited to see who we get. What's up, Shane? Thanks, Chad and Zach. Denver Broncos for life. Yeah, you know, it's like, hey, what would you rather have, Zach? Because some people are feeling like still a little bit robbed of joy because you can't really anticipate and look forward to a first-round pick this time. But if you're doing one of these, what would you rather have? Russell Wilson or a first-round pick that has proven zero in the NFL? I mean, I think when Bronco fans analyze that rationally, the answer is going to be the answer. But it doesn't really take away from the feeling of I'm missing something right now. Like we should be talking about like all the top 15, top 20 prospects, top 30. They're really, there's no point in really discussing them all that much. I mean, even though George Payton has hinted that he's not opposed to moving up, it would take a lot to move up back into the first round. So I don't think we really plan on that, although we just don't rule it out. Exactly. It's unlikely, but there's always the chance with Peyton. And if he says it, he might stick by that. He's very genuine in his remarks. If he likes a player enough, maybe he's willing to surrender more capital. So we always have to keep that in mind that there's a chance, a small one, but a chance the Broncos could be picking on Thursday, April 28th. But my second point before he brought that one up is the Broncos did have a first round pick. His name was Russell Wilson. <laughs> I think that's, that's pretty the best good. Way to look at it. Yeah. So uh, I'm happy right now. Not going to lie. That's that's the best way to uh, to look at it from a mindset perspective is yeah you do have a first round pick this year it's your quarterback so it's pretty good too you guys I mean we think we know we can think back to when it was Peyton we can think back to even when it was Cutler and Jake Plummer and going way back to John Elway we know what it's like to have a bona fide tier one franchise guy all right maybe we're lacking tier one in between John and Peyton. But still, we know what it's like to have kind of the answer at quarterback. But after wandering the desert for six years and just the depth, Zach, of those depredations, I mean, been some dark days. It's just going to be so nice to know when your team goes out there on a Sunday, you don't have to worry about that. You've got competency. You've got a dynamic athlete and an experienced pro nine-time pro bowler calling signals for your Denver Broncos. I can't wait to see it. And even before that, what we don't have to worry about for the first time is a quarterback controversy of some sort. No split reps, no battle. We have an understood true franchise quarterback in the building. I just love it. It's a stress-free lifestyle covering the Broncos now for the most part. And I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm dandy. Shout out to Andrew. Appreciate you, my friend. He says, I work overnight and watch the videos while living here in Texas. Awesome, dude. Appreciate hey, Scott, on this subject from uh, Lawrence on Hackett and Wilson we haven't he wants to know basically says I like Russell didn't like Hackett I don't think they'll mesh well I thought Eric Bieniemy would have been better fit overall for scheme uh, or would you have went the other way by keeping Hackett and leaving Russell that's my question so basically who would you rather have I guess right Hackett or Wilson is that what you're asking Lawrence I mean if push came to shove on that to me the answer is simple the quarterback not to minimize the impact of a true you know a good NFL head coach, but we've seen you can you can bring in guys who are coveted at their respective positions. Like even Vance Joseph, when the Broncos hired him as head coach, he was a coveted guy across the league. Same for Vic Fangio, in the sense more of a of a coordinator. No one was really going out of their way. I think Denver was the only head coach interview he had for the Bears uh, as the Bears defensive coordinator. But still, we've seen what you know experienced, solid coaches. I mean, I don't want to go out over my skis trying to compliment these two, but if you're missing the quarterback, my point is here, it's basically all for naught. Well, as Lawrence said, a better fit for our scheme, and I'm kind of uh, confused by that because once they fired Pat Shermer, they have no scheme. Whoever they were going to hire was going to bring in their own system, and whether it's enemy who would have been taken from the Andy Reid 
playbook and his scheme, or it was Nathaniel Hackett taken from uh, Matt LaFleur in Green Bay, it was going to change regardless. I don't understand why, and tell us, Lawrence, in the comments, why don't you believe they're not going to mesh well? Nathaniel Hackett being this outgoing, exuberant personality, and Russell Wilson having some of that fire as well. The best years of Russell Wilson's career play, were played under a fiery coach in P. Carroll. I think winning cures all. I mean, that's obviously the, the case here. As long as they win, everything's going to be gold. But I think he's going to have fun again. He hasn't had fun for at least the last couple of years in Seattle. He's going to have fun with Hackett and company in Denver. And that's also a problem for the Broncos. They haven't been having fun. I mean, yeah, when you lose, you don't have fun. But I also mean just the type of coaches they've had are these older generation, kind of stick in the mud, gruff. I mean, this is your head coach. Who didn't play music in practice? I mean, can't I mean, get any more old school than that. Exactly. He's the stepdad in Twisted Sisters music video from the 1980s, right? I mean, that's Vic Fangio. That's like, man, you're just like screaming to, to get out of school so you can go have some freedom and enjoy life. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't worry too much about it, Lawrence, my friend. He says they'll start off using Hackett schemes, and if it doesn't work, Russell will have to step up. Listen, we already know in a sense, at least philosophically, what it's going to be. Nathaniel Hackett has a playbook. Exactly how many pages are in that playbook, I can't tell you. But he has a playbook. Russell Wilson has a set of you know, plays and different looks and different things that he likes. And based on what his predilections are, his go-tos, they're going to find those plays in Nathaniel Hackett's playbook. And they're going to craft this offense around what Russ does best. A, and then B, what the collective talent around Russ does best. So for the first time in a long time, my point here, Zach, and then we'll grab Andrew, is uh, you don't have to wonder, in my opinion, all right, you don't have to wonder and worry whether or not the coaches who are calling the shots in Denver are actually going to scheme around the strengths of their personnel. Those days, it's, you know, my scheme or the highway, those days are in the rear view. Nathaniel Hackett understands that. It's all about uh, crafting it around the situation, around what you have. And now you go from having to figure out how to craft it perhaps around Drew Locke to freaking Russell Wilson. So my misgivings on the Nathaniel Hackett hire, Zach, really end at the point of he's a first-time guy. You know, and with first-time guys, you just can never say for sure exactly what you're going to get. Well, hat tip to Scott, who uh, reminded me of one of my favorite sayings that Nathaniel Hackett actually said, which was the players become the scheme, which is true. But my comment to Lawrence would have been the audibles that Wilson would call would be coming out of Nathaniel Hackett's playbook. Russell Wilson isn't going to design his own playbook, his own plays, and have that contrast with Nathaniel Hackett. He's going to take his marching orders from his head coach. So I believe he'll have some more freedom, but it's Hackett's operation all the way he's calling plays he's designing plays he's game planning he's working hand in hand with russ they will find common ground and he he's gonna let him cook it's the only thing russ wanted to do the last couple of years or half decade is cook well he has a freaking chef's apron on right now he's <laughs> and i think broncos fans you know are going to be given the chef's kiss here very very soon um we'll we'll come back to that maybe here in a few minutes lawrence Andrew says, and thank you for the very generous super chat, big dog. If George Payton truly believes Cincinnati quarterback Desmond Ritter is the best player available at pick 64, let's say, and there's a drop-off in talent after, then take Ritter and flip him. Point is not to reach based on need. Trust the draft board you put together. Love listening. Let's ride. Really appreciate that, Andrew. I don't think the Broncos are completely opposed to, like, if – 64 rolls around and the best player on their board is a quarterback. I mean, I wouldn't be stunned if the Broncos took that quarterback, even though they've got a still relatively young Russ, but you know, Russ is North of uh, 30 and tells us he wants to play another 10, 11, 12 years and win three or four more Super Bowls. I'm more inclined to kind of let him do that, but you do need to have some kind of a backup plan, even during the Peyton Manning days. I mean, when they drafted Brock Osweiler, all right, Peyton had already signed. And you had Peyton Manning. Now, different situation in that we still weren't sure yet what Peyton was going to be because of the neck thing. Uh, but still, they with their second round pick that year, Zach, they drafted a quarterback. Remember the Tide Pod Challenge a few years ago? I, I'm going to resurrect that if the Broncos draft a quarterback at 64. I will eat 
Tide Pods on camera on this podcast if that happens. There's 0% chance they go that route. But to Andrew's comment, I appreciate you, Andrew. I don't want to come off combative, but this isn't Madden. You can't take a player and flip him for the same value. It's like buying a car. As soon as you drive off the lot, that value is depreciated. Same thing for a prospect. So if you draft Ritter at 64, I think the best you'd get back is a third-round pick. No way that happens. I, I would be absolutely stunned, flabbergasted. He is an intriguing quarterback, but he's rough still around the edges. He's going to take some time to marinate. Um, I could see him as like a, you know, your your whole point there, Andrew, was to flip him, right? You're not really drafting him because you envision him in the scheme, but he's the type of player from a from a uh, skill set perspective, being able to dual threat it, throw, run. I could see him backing him up, but I'm inclined to, even though I wouldn't be completely stunned, I'm inclined to agree with Zach that, you know, it made a lot more sense in 2012 when the Broncos drafted Brock Osweiler because Peyton was 36. He had just missed the previous entirety of the previous season and he was coming off four neck surgeries and reports had been out there about his arm and all that stuff. And the Broncos got to see it up close and personal when they worked him out, knowing that, Hey, I'm close. I'm close. But by the time we get to training camp, it's going to be a lot better. You're just gonna have to trust me. And they trusted him. So it wasn't the message it sent to Peyton Manning when they drafted Brock Osweiler. I don't think he was too upset about that just because he understood the unknown component that the Broncos from a fail safe perspective had to kind of, you know, there was someone had to be the responsible adult and bring, make sure you have a backup plan. In this case, you'd also have to worry a little bit, Zach, if you, even if you drafted that quarterback at pick 64 to just turn around and try and trade him, which has many pitfalls as you stipulated there, uh, you, you'd have to worry a little bit about what message you're sending to Rust. Are you wanting him to right. become disgruntled right. Aaron Rodgers right. of I'm in my prime window. Let's, let's freaking do this. And you're drafting a queue when, Hey, where's my, uh, you know, whatever, right tackle. Where's an edge right. rusher to help us get the ball back, etc. You go six years without a franchise quarterback. You make one of the biggest trades in league history, and then you turn around and use your first pick on a quarterback? Nothing against Desmond Ritter. If the Broncos didn't trade for Russ, I would be all about taking a flyer on a quarterback like Ritter. I think he's going to be a pretty good pro, but you have that guy now. And if you do to Russ what the Packers did to A-Rod with Jordan Love, I think it would be catastrophic. You're going to take a quarterback beyond before ensuring that the quarterback you traded for has a capable right tackle or has another tight end to throw to or that his defense can help get the ball back for him. I, I 0.0%. Mark it down right now. April 6th, 648 Mountain Time. No way in hell. Yeah, Scott brings up a good point. When you boil it all down, even if you had Ritter ranked on your big board way higher than everybody else available, you trade back. You don't take Ritter there. But still fun to spitball. Appreciate the the uh, question, Michael. Good to see you, big dog. Giving some props for Shane Daniels, the best fans in the NFL. That is faux show. Um, Travis Tarbox in the house as well. T twice. He says, just wanted to wish my son a happy 24th birthday. He bleeds blue and orange as well. So he's excited as the rest of us. What's his name? We'll, we'll give him a shout out. Put his name in the chat. We'll, we'll wish him a happy birthday. Happy birthday regardless, though. Okay, Zach, here's the... Um, here is the uh, Dutch challenge. Per Go ahead and say what, what Albert's saying here. <laughs> Go ahead. Van Harte, Gefele, uh, easy Met Zhao Zunes ver jogged. I don't even know. How bad was that, Albert, on a scale of zero to one? How bad was that? Yo, my hat just got blown, blown off my bald dome from the Duchess, throwing down another massive super chat. Thank you, Michaela. Love you. Seriously, thank you so much. Michaela thank you. bomb. Yes, she says, no way am I drafting a Q at 64 to let him marinate or flip him. We have bigger needs. See, offensive tackle. Preach. Excellent points. Excellent points. Michaela, we love you so much. Seriously, thank you so much. I mean, your generosity makes me talk like I'm trying to pronounce what Albert said there. Just like... <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Michaela. You are the Duchess for a reason, and you prove that each and every night. Not just a saying, it's it's a Michaela bomb now. When we see red, we know it's MP Michaela bomb all the way. Thank you. Love you. All right, where are we at? We're at 40 minutes. we got a little time here. Chad Beach jumping in. Appreciate the stars, bro. And good evening to you. Let's ride indeed. Loving the hashtags. Hashtag game is on point, my friend. 
Zach, I kind of titled this episode around the draft meetings, the Broncos, you know, basically the pre-draft interest they've shown. We should probably get to some of that real quick. Um, first and foremost, it wasn't a pre-draft visit, but as you had in that article, um, they checked out the quarterback from Miami. There's a report that the Broncos plan to host Wyoming three-down linebacker. We'll see if that pans out. Uh, Chad Muma on a pre-draft visit next week. Um, let's see who else here. Whoop, dang pop-ups jumping up everywhere. But uh, I can go through a list, you know, and some of the reporting on this, Zach, is a little bit janky just because it's coming from different parts of the internet. So in some cases, you have like school beat reporters reporting things and then, you know, local NFL beat guys either corroborating it or not confirming it. For the Denver Broncos, here's just a few of the names that I didn't mention. Pre-draft meetings, Abraham Lucas, the tackle from Washington State, who's another common mock to Denver at pick 64. Cordell Flott at corner, the LSU kid. Uh, Shermari Jones, a running back from Coastal Carolina. Nick Grant, a defensive back from Virginia. There are a few more as far as visits are concerned. Tyler Smith from Tulsa, another offensive tackle. Uh, Nick Grant, corner, safety, Virginia. Um, Isaiah Pacheco, if I pronounce his, mispronounce his name from Rutgers, he's a, he's a running back. Um, Cole Turner, a tight end from Nevada. And let's see, last but not least, Shamari Jones, a running back from Coastal Carolina. So does, do, do you see any kind of a thread here? I see lots of tackles, lots of DBs, lots of running backs. Yes, running backs kind of surprises me considering Peyton traded up for Javante. It could be a smokescreen, could be a diversion, but I think uh, cornerback and tackle. Offensive linemen, they're hosting a center. I think it was Jurgens on a pre-draft visit as well. So they're looking at offensive linemen as they should. They're looking at cornerbacks as they should. There's a really high likelihood at 64 they could be taking one of those guys from one of those positions, and I would be all for that. See, I don't think they're going to be taking a running back in round two. But they need to add two running backs minimum from either the free agent ranks that are still out there now or the draft process slash college free agents just because it's Pookie, it's Mike Boone, it's uh, Demaria Crockett, and that's it. So they just need depth there. Do you go spend your most premium draft picks on a running back considering some of the other needs? No. And if you look at the prospects at the running back positions that they have met with, most of them are projected to be day three picks. So that's probably more in the thinking that the Broncos have right now at running back. I like Hassan Haskins from Michigan. If they want to wait till the fifth or sixth round, I think he could be there and he would be a nice value pick at a position, not of knee, but at a, at a, a luxury. Honestly, I think they're fine with Boone and, and Pookie, but I agree with adding one more and Haskins could be that guy. Hey, we got Dan here throwing down up in Canada. A super chat. Broncos country is not a geographic location. It is a state of being. Thank you, Dan. It says we need to address linebacker position. Miles Jack or Bobby Wagner would have been great. Alex Singleton, who the Broncos did sign, is no starter. We need to get an off-ball linebacker. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, Singleton has some bona fides. Led the Philadelphia Eagles in tackles, was it twice? Mm. Or even back-to-back years? Um, so I think you can get by with him, but I'm inclined to agree, Dan, about, you know, Josie Jewell, health willing. I don't worry about him beyond health. If he's going to be healthy, I don't worry about that spot. But next to him, that's why I'm going, wait a minute. Is it really the best usage of resources to move Baron Browning to edge? Because who's behind him? I mean, I guess there's Jonas Griffith, who when he was called on to start, he just signed his ERFA tender, Zach, as you reported for us yesterday. When he was called on to play starter snaps last year, that dude rose to the occasion. He was equal to his opportunity. I'm right there with you on Baron. It's like robbing Peter to pay Paul. I don't, I don't understand changing one position to help another, but you're making a weaker position at the, in 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 the uh, in the interim. I was going to say don't discount Jonas Griffith, but I don't believe that Singleton was signed to start. I would be. Really remiss to start him. He's a special teamer. He's a contributor on early downs. He offers really nothing on passing downs, though. I'm okay with bringing back Kenny Young on a one-year deal. At least he has sideline-to-sideline speed. If you're going to fool around with Baron Browning, at least put a guy that that has, as Shane said, dynamic. I'll never pronounce it. Dynamism. Did I I nail that? Okay. Yeah, dude. Sideline-to-sideline range. That's what Kenny Young was. That's what Baron Browning is. I would have no problem bringing Kenny Young back. 
And it's these coaches know Kenny Young, right? From his time right. with the Rams. So exactly. uh, real quick, this is an interesting comment from one of our great community mavens and moderator for MHH on YouTube, Dylan, who says the Chiefs are taking a step back this year. This is the time to draft and sign players to help you now. In other words, you got to put the boot on the neck, Malachi Crunch style, and strike while this iron's hot. But to the premise, Zach, of the Chiefs taking a step back, what that might look like exactly, I'm not sure. But it really does seem like their unfettered, unchallenged reign of the AFC West is coming to a close. And not just because of the arrival of Russell Wilson, but some of their personnel and coaching losses, you got to wonder if this is going to be the same team in 2022 and beyond. Man, I'm taking it a step further. I'm going full Ed Norton. I'm going curb stomp to Kansas City. This is the year. They are susceptible. Their mouths are as closest to the curb as it's been in years. And the Broncos now have the power to push down and make that curb stomp a reality. That's why I want Kansas City in week one or week two on prime time. I want the Broncos to establish their dominance from the opening gates and prove to Kansas City, to the rest of the division, and to the NFL, the Broncos are back, baby. Let's ride. Let's ride indeed. Nathan Kim in the house. What's going on, bro? Thank you for the super chat. Connect on Twitter. He says, I can't wait for the season. Should we trade back uh, from our second round pick for more future picks? And Zach, please don't eat the Tide Pods. <laughs> I don't want to, but I will. You know, Zach, this is one of those situations that I think Dylan's comment there kind of answers this question. If you had a first round pick this year, okay, then you can maybe afford to, to – um, roll the dice, try and stockpile for the future with that second round pick. But because you're not even entering the draft conversation till the very bottom, the last pick in the second round, I think the wisdom of trading out of the second round with that pick, even if it's to stockpile significant capital in 23, right. I, I just, I don't think the wisdom of that is right. If you really are wanting Zach to strike while this iron's hot, you got rust, you got momentum, you got Hackett. The Chiefs, you're wondering what's going on there. It's not looking so good for them. Use that pick on a player who can help you. In 2011, you know, it was uh, Raheem Moore, Orlando Franklin were the second-round picks. And then the very next year when Peyton came, it was Brock Osweiler. And now that I think about it, Derek Wolf as well. Because the Broncos, did they trade? Yeah, they traded back and out of round one to take Derek Wolf. But anyway, um, you need someone that can help you. Look at Peyton Manning. When he came here, you you can question the wisdom of drafting Brock Osweiler in terms of does that help Peyton today? Not really, right? But Derek Wolf certainly helped Peyton, helping get the ball back for Peyton. He was six sacks as a rookie, went on to be an entrenched starter his entire career in Denver. And then if you didn't take Brock Osweiler, Zach, in the second round, four years down the road when Peyton Manning pulls up lame and he has to miss time and you're in the middle of a – presumptive Super Bowl run, you're probably not winning five of those seven games you had to play without Peyton Manning, if not for making that decision to draft Brock Osweiler in round two in 2012. Well, they say that this year's draft class is the weakest in recent memory, so maybe teams will follow the Howie Roseman approach, which is trade down and acquire capital for next year. I don't necessarily believe that Peyton will follow that that guideline I think he's going to actually stay at 64 and take the best available player on his board whoever that may be I also don't believe in trading for the sake of trading either trading up or trading down it, only if you have enough sureties about it if you have enough conviction about it should you do that but I don't think that Peyton's going to move down just for no reason at all one of those guys that they need at a position that we've named already is likely to be there. They might make some some smaller trades in the third, fourth, fifth round, whatever. I think at 64, they're going to stay and take their guy. Andrew Baker, what's good, bro? He says, Elway needs some flack. Uh, pardon. Elway gets some flack, but he did a lot of good, and even his misgivings set up where we are now. Hashtag MHH for life. Thank you, brother. Shout out to Andrew Baker who's going to be on the show in the not-too-distant future as well. But yeah, John Elway, look, he lost his way for a minute, couldn't hire the right head coach, and he couldn't get the quarterback position right post-Super Bowl 50. That's going to haunt him. His legacy, it has put a, uh, you know, it's, it's lost some of its luster, the Elway legacy as a GM because of that. Um, 
but he did more good, I maintain, for this franchise over his 10 years as the GM um, than bad. And even, you know, look, he lost his way as a draft artist from like 2013 through 17. Those three, four, whatever it is, even maybe five. A lot of misses, especially in those premium rounds. Andrew Lampy, good to see you, bro. Thank you, buddy. Um, a lot of misses, but he turned the ship around from 2018 on. And a lot of those guys that he brought in, in those last few classes he was responsible for, those are the guys you're leaning on now as your core dudes building around Russell Wilson. And he was so good at finding undrafted guys, undrafted mm -hmm. gems. That was one of his talents. And, you know, you could talk about the Peyton Manning effect, but who lured Peyton Manning to Denver? That would be yep. John Elway. And they won multiple division titles, conference championships. They made two Super Bowls under Elway's reign as GM. They won one. I think that's pretty good for any executive. And I, I'm right there with Chad. And Elway's parting gift to the Broncos was hiring George Peyton. So I'm definitely putting him in the plus category. He did a lot of good for this franchise, and I hope the fans remember that. And that's what people miss. Even the most hardened skeptics and haters of John Elway, the GM. Well, why are you showering him with praise? He had Peyton Manning. You don't get Peyton Manning in Denver if it's John Elway, if it's not John Elway, and specifically his sell to Peyton or lack thereof. The way he approached it was unique and separated the Denver Broncos from all the other teams that were clamoring for his services. Tom, again, I love Hackett. I'm just a little nervous about the whole coaching staff being first-timers. I thought they'd have brought a veteran in. They did. Tom Capers. I'm just glad no more uh, fake jet sweeps with uh, with ever running without ever running an actual jet sweep. Amen to that, big dog. But, yeah, there's some misgivings there. I feel you. There's some, you know, there's, I think, a healthy reason for a little bit of skepticism but i would be much more inclined to kind of fall into that line of thinking zach if you didn't solve quarterback right. solving quarterback takes i mean zach taylor all right in cincinnati does that dude is he coaching in the super bowl if they didn't solve quarterback his second year he's not no. coaching at all he'd be he's fired. not yeah he's he's gone by now guys that's what it does and so for you know in other words it covers holes it raises ships Floats everybody's boat, and that's what Wilson's going to do. So I wouldn't worry too much about it, Tom. And to your point, a quarterback of Wilson's caliber or Rodgers, they are pretty much coaches on the field. You know, they're, they are that intelligent. They have been around the block in the NFL. They know pretty much every defense they can face. So they're pretty okay on offense. I I'm kind of in agreement, though, on defense. I thought they would hire a veteran, experienced defensive coordinator, but I do like Evero. You mentioned Dom Capers. They also retained Bill Kolar as like a consultant advisor, so they have some veteran, experienced voices on their staff. It's one of the storylines. If they start losing, you're going to hear a lot of people talk about, oh, they have three first-time uh, coaches and coordinators. That's the reason why they're not doing well, but they have enough balance on both sides. They should be able to weather that storm. By the way, Scott, you uh, is telling us that Tom has moved into the top five rankings on Super Chat for the month of April. So good job, big dog. I'll show you that. In fact, let me show you. And then we'll grab a Bardo tripper here. Um, here is your updated in real time top five Super Chat superstar rankings for the month of April. Ethan, the DWI guys, number one, the Duchess, number two, Sam Bam at three. And look at Tom leapfrogging dudes shouldering elbowing his way to the front top five awesome dude at number four kb at number five d porter at six nash the fifth at six paul travis weber dave geiger gaming jj there's a, a snapshot of how things currently stand let's grab bardo tripper because we're about out of time here zach he says hello priest love the pod thank, thank you, you buddy and appreciate that super any more rule changes than the overtime rules? I was thinking now that they have 17 games a year. They should allow more men instead of the 53-man roster. Your thoughts? Yeah, so if you guys missed it, the new overtime rules mandate both teams get a chance to possess the ball. There's no more if you score on the first possession, um, a touchdown, it's over. But, Zach, what do you think here? Now, should they allow more than 50? I mean, they did significantly help because of the pandemic and whatnot. They did help teams by allowing a 16-man practice squad and that new rule where you can promote two guys, elevate them, I guess is the right word, on game day to be active for the team and then you can send them right back down to the practice squad the next day. They don't count towards the 53-man. You can do that two times for free 
on an individual player. The third time, when you send them back after you've elevated them on game day, they have to pass through the waiver wire system, just like you would if you cut anybody. Got to pass through waivers, and if they go unclaimed, then boom, you can stash them right back on the practice squad. So I think those moves significantly freed teams up to you know, have more options on game day. But 53 men, I mean, it's a lot of dudes. That's a lot of people on a roster, plus the practice squad. What are your thoughts? You said exactly what I was going to say to a T. Uh, the only thing I would add is that the NFL is a game and a war of attrition. And the teams that win the Super Bowl or make it there mostly have pretty good injury luck. So it really wouldn't matter whether you have 53, 63, 73. If you have the injury bug haunting your team, you're just done for. I like the rules as is. I like the call-up rules that they maintained after uh, the virus and the pandemic. So I think they're going to keep it as is, as they should. By the way, Michaela, I'm being told you're probably going to be moving into number one on Super Chat by the end of tonight's live stream, FYI. Uh, Rao Blitz, R.A.L. Blitz. G'day, boys. I feel like we have, and this is on Twitch, we like to grab at least one Twitch every single night. He says, I feel like we have a decent option at most positions. We can get through in basically all positions, and we need to look for the prospects with the highest ceilings we can through the draft. Hashtag state of being. Yeah, the Broncos have done a pretty good job setting themselves up for the draft to not have you know, any knee-jerking needs. So that I concur with, but you're looking for ceilings every time you draft. You know, you really do that. Yeah, and you know, if, if you draft a right tackle, they don't necessarily have to start because you have Billy Turner. If you draft a, an edge guy, they don't necessarily have to start because you have Brown and you have Bradley Chubb, you have Randy Gregory, Cooper, Malik Reed, so on. So yeah, I'm, uh, that's, that's the beauty of what George Payton's done. They can sit back and take their BPA. They can sit back and, and take a pick for luxury, add to a position of strength already and make it a super strength. They can shore up a weakness. They're in a good position. As long as they solve quarterback, which they did, they are in an excellent position entering the draft. Yeah, Harold, Troy Anderson, truth. Shout, shout, let it all out. Troy Anderson is the truth, uh, but I don't know that uh, he's going to be there for Denver. Lawrence, and then we got to go, guys. Who do you guys follow or like on Twitter? Any up-and-comers? Dude, my Twitter following, the people I follow on Twitter, is a, an eclectic list of NFL media um, bands that I like politics, different both sides of politics. Cause I like to know what's going on from all the different uh, perspectives up and comers. I don't know what you mean. Like up and comers in NFL business. I'm not sure exactly what you mean, but just go look at who I follow. I can't really think of anybody off the top of my head, Zach. One guy I want to give a shout out to uh, who's done a really good job this year uh, through free agency and leading up to the draft is Jordan Schultz. I don't know if he's still with ESPN or not, but he has his uh, hand in a bunch of different ventures. He is right up there with Rappaport and Schefter and Albright and everybody else. He is a bona fide NFL insider. I would follow him. I think it's uh, Jordan underscore Schultz on Twitter. Yeah, it's ESPN's no longer on his bio. Insider and uh, insider slash analyst, host of the Pull Up Pod, host a uh, game plan at Boardroom, host of the Game Day NFL. No more ESPN on his uh, Twitter bio, so that maybe he left. I don't know. That's interesting. But yeah, he has broken a lot of stuff this year. Very very good point, Phil. Appreciate you, bro. Guys, thank you so much for everything. We're gonna say good night. We'll be back tomorrow night, as you know. Thank you so much again, guys. Thank you to Shane for coming on. Thank you from the Michaela Bombs. Thank you for each and every one of you that tuned in this evening. We are back on tomorrow night, same time, same place. Until that time, though, follow us on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. You can follow the main account on Twitter for all your Broncos news, analysis, rumors, and more at Mile High Huddle. You can follow Chad on Twitter, as you can see on the screen, or if you're listening to me right now, at Chad and Jensen. You can follow myself at Kelberman NFL. Follow Scott on Twitter at Scout Kennedy. If you guys would like a dad hat like I'm wearing, a hat like Chad's wearing, any of our merch, more to come right now, or, or soon, excuse me, at huddleuppod.com. Get yourself some merch right there. And don't forget about facebook.com slash Pod. Like that page, follow that page. Guys, if you haven't, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win. Could be 
anything, any sort of goodie each and every month. But if you can't do any of those things, please take a few seconds, subscribe to this video, like this video, share this video, and each and every video you see on the MHA channel, it really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. I don't know why, but it's not letting me... The back end of Facebook is not letting me click in. Oh, now I'm in for the uh, list of our great star supporters. Chad Beach, thank you. Lawrence Rivera, Andrew Lampy, Lana, GLP, Dave Wilder, Phil McLaughlin, Andrew Baker, Claude Riley, Rodney Garcia. Much love and respect to each and every one of you for throwing down stars tonight. And then we got to, we got to also shout out our Super Chat superstars tonight, starting with Nash the Fifth, Mike. Tom, James Webb, ZW Design, Zachary Smouse, Andrew, Edward, the aviator himself also gets an additional shout out for dropping some knowledge with us. The Duchess, love you. Dan, Nathan Kim, and Bardo Tripper. Seriously, much love and respect. We'll be tagging you guys. If we know your Twitter handle, we will be tagging you after the show as a thank you and, and a shout out. So much love and respect. Take care. And as always, guys, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.